Good morning. How's everyone doing? Captain Chaos, did you know that school bus safety is crucial for young students? Absolutely, Sergeant B-Safe. We must protect our little heroes from any danger. And here comes Maya. She's getting ready to go to school. Oh no! Look out, everyone! Uh-oh, that driver didn't stop for the school bus. Fear not. He's not going to do that in my town. It's time for some superhero intervention. Get him, Sergeant B-Safe. Captain Chaos, let's go get him! Sergeant B-Safe, time to power up! He committed a terrible offense by passing a school bus with its stoplights on. He will need to prepare to face the consequences. Stop that car. Get out. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize the lights were on. I, I'll be more careful next time. <sighs> Listen, the safety of our children is of the utmost importance. Always be vigilant and attentive on the road. And remember, with great driving comes great responsibility. Thank you, Sergeant Be Safe and Captain Chaos for keeping us safe. Have a great day. I'm off to school. Maya, you have a great day at school, too. I'm glad everyone's safe and everything worked out. And as for this driver, he won't be driving reckless for a long time. In fact, you might see him crawling around, going from place to place. Drivers, remember, it's that time of year again. School buses cannot be passed if the stop sign or the lights are illuminated. You could lose your license for up to a year. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. To black and blue the podcast that's just for you we bring solutions to everyday problems we are here to humanize the badge by interviewing first responders and discussing their trainings experiences and publications Black and Blue airs weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in.
start the show. And there we are. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Black and Blue, where we go live weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And when we go live, we go live with the guest who is a first responder or in law enforcement, whether they're rookie, season, and retirees. And we go live talking about their experiences, their publications, or their trainings. And we're not going to fall short today. We got a special guest. He's in the background right now. I'll introduce him in a moment. But first thing, we got to put some things out there. I'm Coach Clee. I'm your host. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker here bringing you to the episode. We're streaming on five different platforms right now. So I don't know which platform you're on. We're currently on two on YouTube. We're two on Facebook. And we are on one on LinkedIn. And therefore, if you're looking for that shout out that I know that you want, you got to put your name and where you're from in the comment section and we'll get that shout out that you're looking for. Like I said, that we are live and interactive. So therefore, if you have a question, you have to put that in the comment section as well. And we'll address your question as best we can. Understand there's about a one or two second delay from the time that you post it till the time that we see it. But we'll get to it as best that we can. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I appreciate that we go live weekly and we have a special guest. And this special guest is no stranger to us. Okay. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. One Way Publishing is the sponsor. Let me get the banner up here correctly. One Way Publishing is a sponsor for Black and Blue as well. One Way Publishing is they can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. I've written five books myself using One Way Publishing, and also they have many clients themselves. One Way Publishing is also the sponsor for Sergeant Be Safe. So if you're looking to be on the platform, workwithclee.com, that's how you get on the platform itself. If you're looking to be a voiceover for Sergeant Be Safe, that's how you get on the voiceover as well. We're scrolling right below, and we got it in the comments section as well. And if you're looking to go ahead and get your own published book, whether you write fiction, nonfiction, self-help, uh, autobiography, cookbook, children's book, that's how you want to get a hold of One Way Publishing. But, of course, why I got ahead of myself because they can explain it 10 times better than I can. Stand by, watch this. Publishing. Have you ever wanted to explain something, tell a story, or leave a piece of you behind? Have you ever wanted to write your own book but not specifically know how to do it? Well, get ready. One Way Publishing's here. We can turn a mere thought into a book that's bought. People need to learn from you. They need to hear that story. Kids need to read that book. Imagine if you wrote your own children's book and get to read it to your kids. Here at One Way Publishing, we can get your fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, instructional, what have you, done. All at a reasonable price and definitely a reasonable time frame. And if you don't believe me, ask Sergeant B. Safe. He's working on his right now. He's definitely writing the best chapter of his life. Make sure you check out his cartoon skits that air on the podcast Black and Blue. As Sergeant B. Safe said, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
And again, that's one way publishing. You see the website scrolling below. It's also in the comment section. Make sure, not now, but at the end of this live, you guys take a look at that. Make sure you guys get those likes up because the likes are free and the likes keep the algorithm going. If you like what you see, we're trying to go ahead and promote this. Share this out with your friends. Share this out with your family because we have wonderful guests and we have a tremendous one right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm going to bring him to the stage. All right. He's been 21 years as a fire lieutenant, a retired fire lieutenant and EMT. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's a first responder and he's coming here and he's going to share his experiences. Not only that, he's been a two-time Grammy award-winning nominee, and that's tremendous in itself. He's got a, a life of experience where he's co-authored a book, and let me get this correct, Live Calm with Cancer and Beyond. He's co-authored a book with his wife. Yes, he's battled and survived stage four cancer, and that's tremendous, and, and it's a game changer. And he looks at that from a positive light where, you know, you hit the reset button and learn how to reinvent yourself and live life after retirement, and he'll explain all that as well. Not only that, he's also the host of uh, Responder Resilience, a, a podcast where he goes live and he discusses so many different wonderful things. And we're going to jump all into that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to bring him to the stage. Let me get this banner up. Dave Dashinger. Dave? Oh, let me bring you. There we go. Dave, are you there? I'm here. Great to see you, Clee. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for making yourself available. I appreciate it. Uh, you've done so many tremendous, wonderful things here uh, and, the, and the, as a first responder. And I'm ready to jump right into it and learn more about you and some of your experiences. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, uh, I started really in a musical family. So that was a big influence on me. Uh, wound up going to college for music, okay. playing in bands, touring around New England and uh, that was really how I made a living for most of my life until we bought a house next to a firehouse in the <laughs> suburbs. And uh, I was more concerned at the time about the, the sound of the sirens going out, trucks mm -hmm. moving in and out. But I was invited to a barbecue. And this is like a series of things in, in my life, and I'm sure many other people's lives, where a door opens and you can choose whether to go through that door or say, you know, nah. Yeah. So I said, I'll go through the door. I went to the barbecue and they were like, why don't you come to a drill and check that out? So I'm like, another open door. Okay, check it out. Mm -hmm. Previously had no interest in firefighting or anything similar, but something happened. I don't know. There was a little bit of a connection in that first drill. I went back to the next one and then all of a sudden I'm starting to go more drills and starting to feel like, you know, this stuff is cool. I really kind of like it. I like the camaraderie. I like the... Uh, the role that we have of being of service to the community. And so I joined the department, got my EMT and joined that ambulance corps yeah. and really did it for nine years until I kind of ran out of, you know, I couldn't go any further with it in terms of uh, promoting through the ranks and, and what we were able to do as volunteers. And then I started testing for departments and got hired and started my, my road as a career firefighter in that direction. And that was uh, an incredibly fulfilling career. Um, it had its ups and downs for sure. Certainly mm -hmm. the beginning, um, probably of anybody's career when you're the new guy, uh, yeah. it can be challenging to say the least, right? And humbling and, and uh, I was no you know exception to that. But um, along the way, you know, I did have a uh, stage four cancer diagnosis, which we can get into more. Mm -hmm. I was also blessed to be promoted to a, a rank of Lieutenant and um, and that led to some really interesting challenges for me as an officer, because 
uh, now you have a lot of responsibility. So um, that would tie into, you know, my journey into uh, mental health and wellness and beyond that kind of, uh, you know, what my mission is today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And and just get, to kind of touch on it a little bit, what are there any experiences or stories that you had while working firefighting or EMT that you can share with us? Or if anyone's listening and kind of had their foot in the door, like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Um, and there, is there something that you can, a little golden nugget that you can give them to kind of sway them to make the, their, their own personal decision? Yeah, I mean, great question. Certainly, like we heard this over and over again, and I, I wouldn't argue with it. It's the greatest job in the world, and it is. However, behind the curtain, a lot of us in fire, EMS, law enforcement, dispatch, um, there's stuff that goes on sometimes with the administration that goes on with our peers uh, that can really knock us down and um, make the job stressful, to say the least. Yeah. So one of the things that... Um, you have to know going into this is that you're you're going to experience stress out there on the job on the street and we're going to see a lot of things that nobody should see on a regular basis and that's going to you know take a toll um but there are amazing tools out there and amazing people out there to help us become resilient in bouncing back from these these challenges and setbacks and um i think we just have to be open if, if nothing else be open to being aware of yourself, right? Be open to having self-awareness, asking for help, that right. it's not a weakness, that that's actually a strength. And that when we seek help, and there is a lot of it out there for first responders specifically, okay. we can become better at what we do, uh, as not only as first responders, but as parents, as spouses, as people out there in the world. Um, that can unlock like so much potential that we have that we may be you know, missing because we're just, you know, we're, we're hurting. So yeah. that, that would be my nugget. You hit the nail right on the head. Um, kind of segueing right into my next question, because uh, discussing mental, mental health, we discuss that on this platform often and well-being. Uh, and, and I know uh, the job can be very fun. You, it can be very stressful in-house and it can be very stressful dealing with the public. You have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Uh, how important is it to take care of your mental health? And what, what are some of the things that you do that uh, are good for your well-being in general, whether it's spiritual, mental, physical, what have you? Sure. Um, and I say this is very individual. But again, there are so many things out there that uh, there's something for everybody. Um I think one of the things in wellness for us, and you mentioned spiritual, but also emotional, mm -hmm. is that you know we need to take care of ourselves. And that means having a practice, whether that means prayer or going to church or meditating or doing yoga or something where we can go within, um, yeah. where we kind of quiet the, the busy mind, but also quiet all the intense um, distractions that are around us, right? TV, yeah. social media, yeah. our devices. Um, sometimes we need to just be quiet. And for me, what that looks like is going into nature, you know, just being with uh, animals, trees, grass, my dog. Um, those things really work for me. I've definitely done meditation. I love working out. I think that's key. And those work for me. Maybe the next person is something completely different. Um, but I think we got to find those things and make sure that, like I said, it's a practice that we don't get so caught up in the job and we don't get so caught up in you know whatever it is buying toys and playing with our toys yeah. that we forget that 
there's a world inside, right? There's that world outside. It's very seductive, but there's a world inside, and that's the one that we need to feed. Otherwise, um, you know, we, we we get out of balance. Yeah, and getting out of balance can bring total chaos in your life. Uh, just so many things. You, you see it uh, with family, family structures, families breaking down, uh, being a first responder. Um, divorce is very high up on the list. Uh, I have pride and I credit a lot of people who started the job, gotten married and kept the same marriage throughout the course of their career. Uh, that's that's a big deal. Uh, and you see, I've seen officers that uh, go spiral down from uh, alcohol abuse or just depression or medication for so many different things. And, and knowing now what you you wish you would have known then you could probably have prevented it for other officers just by them having some sort of outreach, just by them having some sort of uh, stand in or just uh, having another hobby to do. I know a lot of guys, once they get the job, they are one the job is them and mm-hmm. they're in it 100% and that is their identity. And then when they step away from it, they are, they're just at a loss. Absolutely. And, and that's, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that is one of the biggest um, challenges of retirement is that loss of identity. Um, but, you know, to your point about, you know, spiraling down, sometimes we have to hit bottom in order to be so, you know, in that point of like, I'll do anything to to get rid of this pain. Right. And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes we have to be knocked down, you know, whether it's yeah. substance abuse, alcohol, you know, any kind of addiction that we have or, you know, uh, intense uh, mental anguish from whatever. Sometimes it takes that. There's nowhere to go but up, right? The only way out is through, and sometimes that's what takes to motivate us. I'm I'm certainly no exception to that. Exactly. So let me ask you this: Stage four cancer was that a rock bottom for you? Yes, in a way it was. Um, it was, you know, actually an experience for me of knowing what it feels like to be forced to medically retire. Ultimately, I was able to come back to the job. But, you know, the first thing I thought when I heard the diagnosis um, and I never heard the full diagnosis, Mm. just so you know, like I heard you have cancer. Somehow I never heard stage four cancer. Um, First thing I'm thinking is, what am I going to say to the guys? You know, the shift, you know, they're going to be down a guy. I'm going to miss the being in the fire department doing this. That's that was my you know first thing. Of course, next is the family and Mm. every other thing that it affects. Um, you can, you know, you can only process so much information. And I think if my wife wasn't there every step of the way to take notes and to ask questions, I would have missed so much um, pertinent um, stuff that the doctors were saying and the nurses were saying. But it really humbled me. Um, It really made me kind of reset and regroup in that, first of all, I wanted to get well and get back to the job and I would do anything it took. But also, you know, I, I wanted to look at it as a gift, not like being a victim to this horrible circumstance. Um, there had to be a gift in it someplace. So it took me a while to figure it out. But then I realized, you know, my wife was, we'd go out on walks in the middle of January. It was, you know, cold, snowy winter. Uh-huh. And she'd say, let's just say what we're grateful for. And so she'd give me three statements, what she was grateful for. And then I would do three statements and we go back and forth. We could be saying, you know, I'm grateful I have great health insurance and grateful that I have wonderful friends. I'm grateful that we're able to walk together. And then she'd have her three that in itself, as simple as it sounds, is such a powerful way to shift out of a negative victim mindset 
because now you're not focused on what's wrong. You're focused on what's right. And at any moment in time, as bad as things look, there's definitely things that are positive and right in our in our universe. So that was one of the things we used that started us on a path, uh, which we can touch on later, to be advocates for people that are cancer patients and caregivers. Mm -hmm. And since we walked that journey ourselves and step by step got back to the place where I had to go through chemo, radiation, and ultimately surgery. Wow. I was able to come back to the job and um, have a great rest of my career. But as I said, you know, I know people who had to medically retire in the peak of their career and how devastating that is when you love your job. Um, yeah. That just made me want to get back that much more. And, um, and, and so in a long, long-term scenario, which I never would have envisioned, with our podcast, we've done a couple of documentaries. One of them is on retirement. And we did interview some people who had to medically retire. And I just felt for them, you know, more uh, more than anyone because I knew what they were had gone through. Um, so, you know, you have to look at every day, every gift, every, every shift that we do on the job as a gift. You know, it's like we are blessed to be able to do this job and be able to do it, you know, shift after shift, year after year. And we just have to appreciate it in the now um, because you don't know what's going to happen, you know, in the next hour. Exactly. It's interesting that you say that because uh, for us, us first responders, we take our we, we love our jobs. We, we take it for granted often. I know I am speaking for myself day day in, day out. There's certain days when I'm like, oh, I just want this day to be over and, and not thinking of the act being in the moment. Uh, and I, you talk about um, you, you heard the diagnosis, but you didn't hear stage four. Uh, it was kind of a deafening moment or a shocking moment, I would assume. And then how you, you personally switched the flipped it. And instead of having the victim mindset or going into a depression or what I think I would I would I would just I don't know. I think I would shut myself off for a, re, a reasonable amount of time and and be angry and and self-loathe or what have you what you would think the normal responses would be and and you went ahead and didn't do that you actually found uh um you were grateful for being in the moment be for the things that you did have and being grateful got you through that yeah i mean to be completely honest i did not get to that place immediately it took me a couple of weeks to just process the diagnosis and accept that could not go to work anymore. It was fast tracking me into treatment. The treatment was not pleasant. Um, so it didn't happen immediately. But now I'm in this place where, OK, day by day, I have to, you know, plot a chart a course to something better. And so that's like a, you know, step by step by step process. It doesn't happen immediately. But mm -hmm. again, as if you have a practice or practices that will point you in a more positive direction, then it's, it's achievable. And, um, you know, that was uh, you know, obviously one of the most pr profound experiences of my life that I carried forward in, uh, in many different areas. Yeah, I, I, kudos to you, uh, for one, for being able to bounce back to do it in, in a way that I'm looking at it uh, from the outside in, of course. But you, you look, seem very happy. Uh, you seem very um, resilient and, and getting information out there and being of service. And getting uh, diagnosed in the midst of your career and fighting through it, they actually come back. Uh, like you said before, not everyone gets that opportunity to come back. And on your podcast, I know that you, you've 
discuss with them. How hard do you see them take it as knowing that that's the, that per, part of their life is now over? It's a you know a profound sadness. I think is is pretty much the universal uh, you know response. Now yeah. another kind of effect of having gone through this cancer journey myself is I had two firefighters in my department who I was extremely close with and worked with. One of them I mentored and trained from his proby first day. Mm-hmm. And both of them got very aggressive forms of cancer that ultimately they perished from. Oh, um, wow. Sorry. And, yeah, it was, it's heartbreaking. And it's, yeah. these are guys that, you know, the best, I mean, if you're going to say, this is the guy I want on my team, you know, yeah. these were the guys. And, the thing I was able to bring to it was now I'd been through the cancer journey myself. I could have conversations with the two of them when they were in their deepest, darkest, you know, uh, stages of dealing with this, that not everybody may, maybe not everybody can have that because we don't know the language or we don't know what it's like to be in those shoes. So, and yeah. I would say another, you know, another gift that I got from going through cancer was being able to speak with my brothers about what they were going through and, and lend some kind of support to them. Um, which, you know, to me, that was uh, one of the more beautiful things that I've you know been able to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, actually going through it, and you speak about how humble uh, of an experience it was, and uh, getting to the end of your career, 21 years in, uh, as a first responder uh, uh, with fire and, and being EMT, you get to retirement. And a question that's laid out here on the platform often is we already talked about you self-identify with your occupation. You do it for 20, 25, 30 years that at the end of it, you don't know who you are. You you don't know what you like. You, you've alienated yourself from friends and family or so so forth. How do you have life after retirement or be able to reinvent yourself? What kind of advice do you give to anyone who uh, asked that question? Well, great question. Um many answers to that one of them is have a plan a and a b and a c and a d my plan a didn't work out and i had to find a plan b fortunately it turned out to be the podcast and it's been a it's been a good retirement um activity for me keeps me connected to the first responder family and uh, it satisfies my creative you know interests Mm -hmm. and um and it as you know clee because you you do this and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes right it's not you just show up and press you know, press go live. Yeah. There's a lot of a uh, lot of things you need to do to prep for the show, to book your guests, to mm-hmm. uh, prepare the video clips, and uh, all the research that you do. Um, mm-hmm. So it becomes for me, it's almost like a full time job, which I love doing. But for anybody that's you know considering retirement, um, you know, we approach this again through a sort of series of interviews with people, and it's amazing the different directions people have gone in. One of the ones that I love is that a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but some first responders are choosing to go into uh, mental health and mm-hmm. become counselors. And yes. now they are amazing assets to our community because they're culturally competent and they're able to talk with our, our brothers and sisters when, when they need to really you know, focus on their, their wellness. Um, you know, one guy who was medically retired, um, he was is really messed up from a uh, being hit in a traffic accident in the mm-hmm. Bronx um, operating on a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. And he, um, you know, they told him stuff like he wasn't going to be able to walk. He wasn't going to be able to use, uh, have full range of motion. And by a fluke, he wound up going to a um, Bikram yoga class and decided, well, I got a week's free coupons. I'm just going to go every day. 
he was able to um, regain full use, full range of motion, and Ooh. ultimately became a yoga teacher. So his wow. his you know his calamity and uh, you know severe injury turned into a, a new you know profession for him and a new way to be of service. Um, there's really no limit to what what's out there for retirees. Peer support is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of opportunities to be of service to. I wish there were more, right? Yeah, I, I noticed that the deficiency is we are seeing our law enforcement officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, dispatchers going into retirement with this huge wealth of knowledge and experience, and it's not really being tapped. Yeah, um, and I think there's lots of room there to tap into that and be able to use that to benefit you know the younger people in our profession, the people that really need the mentoring and you know could give them a jump start. So. There's still room for improvement, but I think we, you know, we can also be creative. Like we have done this job. We have a lot of skills, a lot of uh, people skills and a lot of uh, problem solving skills. There's definitely ways you can, you know, take that into retirement and make something uh, be be constructive and productive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you see a lot of guys who've gone into retirement uh, prematurely as well um, Mm -hmm. due to everything that's been going on in the nation since, of course, covid and the quiet quitting and lockdown. And like you said, a wealth of knowledge has been uh, exiting out the door. It's definitely in the police world. Uh, I'm pretty sure you see, you've see you seen it and um, all across the board as a first responder, military, firefighters, what have you. You fill in the blank as a first responder, you've seen it. Um, how would you say we can, as a nation, combat that as far as uh, uh, re- utilizing resources of our retirees. I know you said peer support and, and sharing information and also the up and coming generation that uh, are kind of they're, they're being a first responder isn't the thing anymore. And uh, um, c- coming out of the high school, coming out of the military, coming out of college, you see a lot of uh, young men and young women kind of shy away from that. What kind of advice would you give either of them? Well, I mean, at this point, you know, you really have to love the job and, and love your uh, position to be of service. And and it's it's not just the the glory jobs or the you know, as we would say in the fire service, the big one, right? The big fire where people need to be rescued. There's a lot of you know day in and day out. You know, we call them kind of you know regular calls that we do that are not um, not dramatic in any way, but. Those are the ones, you know, those are the ones where you hold somebody's hand who's having the worst day of their life. And, you know, where you're able to give somebody some advice or connect them with a resource where you really are, you know, being of service in a deep way. Sometimes we just forget that. Right. We just we just figure it's routine. But um, if you love that, if that's your love, you know, and that's your calling. Then this job is, the, like I said, it's the best job in the world. Where else can you do this and be of service to your fellow human, you know, human beings like it? You know, it's amazing that way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for answering that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. We're going to pause for the calls with the Certain Be Safe cartoon, and we're going to come right back and jump right back in this interview. So stand by. Here he is. Hi, Ava. Hey, Maya. I don't feel like going home. I don't feel like going home either. What are we going to do? Let's just chill here. Are we allowed to? It's public property, isn't it? Guess what Megan wore to school today? OMG, there's Sergeant B safe. Let's get it on, baby. Cause I'm ready to start. Take a lock off the cage. 
I'm ready to pop. It's late. What are you girls doing here? Ugh, are we in trouble? Trespassing, loitering and prowling, along with curfew violations, are a big deal. Thank you, but I'll take it from here, Captain Chaos. Rules are made for a reason. A lot of bad things can go on after curfew. We're gonna have to call your parents. You girls must have snuck out, which is not good. Ladies, thank you for showing up in a timely manner. Just wanna let you know, this will be a warning for them. They can't be out past curfew, especially on private property. Not only that, but they're also loitering and prowling. You two are able to take your daughters home. I know they'll get straightened out. You and Captain Chaos keep up the great work. Thank you, Sergeant. Be safe. We will straighten them out. Well, I'm glad we got that situated. Absolutely. Seemed like a mistake that was innocent enough. I'm glad we got the opportunity to educate the kids and make their parents aware. The work of a public servant is never over. One job down and many more to go. And that's your tip of the day. Get you on your way. back hope you guys enjoyed that cartoon starting to be safe and captain chaos we're jumping back in this interview where we had a wonderful discussion so far we got learning about david dashinger and his stage four cancer and how he was grateful and getting and being resilient and getting through that and being able to help other people not only help himself getting back to work but helping other people get through their own difficulties in life as well talking about we haven't talked about his podcast we're jumping to that but first and foremost i got to give another kudos to you that being a firefighter is not not something I, I would want or could do. I was in a burning house while working, second floor, uh, because uh, not to give too many details, uh, the male and female were still asleep in their beds because of, uh, not because of the smoke, but because of other third party uh, uh, ingestions that kind of kept them asleep. Uh, and being in that situation where my buddy and I ran into the house, was not with no gear on and it was not fun and i'm sitting there thinking i'm i see all this heavy smoke i'm smelling it. i can barely breathe it's not like it is on tv hearing the crackling of the fire actually seeing the fire is not fun and the, the first thing i wanted to do was get out of there as soon as possible and and not only it, it just was not a great experience so i i give kudos to you for for being in situations like that and helping other people uh, that's not something that, that that's very easily done. Um, you touched on something, Clee, that's um, I think is important, and that's uh, TV, right? Um, yes. I'd say most of the public has their concept of first responders from TV and the movies, which you know, as we know, <laughs> tends to dramatize things and you know yep. change change reality a little bit. Um, it, you know, obviously, our jobs aren't like what you see in you know a backdraft or one of these like Hollywood features, and. Yeah. One of the things that I think we really need to be doing more of is to be educating the public on what it is like to be a first responder and not just the, yeah. the glory stuff, but also, you know, behind the scenes and the struggles and the uh, challenges that we face um, because we need support. We need to be able to um, 
the community to understand what you know what we go through in order to be of service and right. uh, and sometimes that support is going to be in the form of all right maybe we need a mental wellness program in this department so we're not losing police officers and firefighters um, who want to go you know leave the job because they can't handle the stress anymore uh, maybe we need to do it so we can attract new recruits who are you know, great candidates, but we think, well, maybe I'm better off working at Home Depot because I don't, you know, it pays yeah. better and I don't have that responsibility or that, you know, the um, blowback that we're getting, you know, from from the media. So yeah. um, I think that's one of the things, one of the challenges we face together in our in our kind of roles as communicators. And so being in Rose's Communicators, as you said, leading into my next question, uh, Respond to Resilience, uh, your podcast. Uh, how, how did you come across that? And who do who do you who you target your information towards to help? I know you have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I know it's very beneficial. But who's your target audience that way uh, to, that you can share information and help? Yeah, I'd say that anyone who is connected with the first responder world that he wants to hear the stories of people who have been there and been through, you know, like I was describing, you know, maybe the lowest moment of their life and had to find their way back to, yeah. uh, to you know, to be a productive person. Um, I mean, all of our brothers and sisters, I really, you know, I, I think it's want to cast as wide a net as possible. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we forget is that there are other people who are our colleagues doing things like forensics or animal control. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the dispatch people and nurses and people that are uh, in the judicial system and corrections. So um, we want to make it more inclusive. And we're, we're working on doing that because, um, you, you know, we all we're all in the same. Uh, we're all experiencing similar types of, uh, yeah. of adversity. Yeah. And so uh, with your podcast, uh, when when do you air? And if someone wanted to watch an episode, how would they go about doing that? We air Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're mm-hmm. on several platforms, uh, including YouTube, a um, couple of Facebook pages, one of them being Responder TV. Mm-hmm. We're also on LinkedIn. And we have, um, once the episode airs, then it goes out on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, iHeartRadio. And, and, and we have a website that kind of brings it all together called RespondertV.com. It's got all the episodes and guest information and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that um, website is scrolling below, and it's also in the comments section. So make sure you guys take a look at that. Uh, show them some love and support. Uh, it's, it's not very, like you said, it's a lot of hard work that goes into the podcast, and sharing that information is very beneficial, and you should be credited for your hard work. Absolutely. Thank you. You as well. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I'm curious. When I read this, I was like, how does this fit in being a first responder? A two-time Grammy Award-winning nominee. How, you got to tell us about that. How'd that come about? Okay, so um, so I was a nominee, not an award winner, but um, so I had a whole career in the music business, which I alluded to. Uh, was a recording engineer in New York City. Traveled mm-hmm. uh, traveled to many countries to record and mix records. And um, during that time, I worked on some records that were nominated for Grammys. So. Um, you know, it was uh, you never know when you're working on these things where it's going to go. But um, mm-hmm. I did have the opportunity to fly out to L.A. for uh, one of the uh, the Latin Grammys, actually. And uh, what a blast. It was at the Staples Center. 
big party. They do an amazing production. Shakira was uh, was headlining. Uh, ran into some great people in the in the industry. You know, get to pose for pictures, and that they do some, uh, you know, pictures of you with your uh, as a nominee. You get a medal uh, instead of like yeah. a little Grammy uh, statue. Yeah. But um, did a, you know some some headshots and uh, had a blast. And uh, so it's just like you know it's it's icing on the cake. Just <laughs> being in that music business career was was a blessing and and a, you know it's a dream come true for for anyone that loves music so this yeah. was just like okay i didn't expect it but it was it was a wonderful uh a little extra icing on the cake gotcha are there any artists that you can name that you've worked with or wanted to work with yeah i, I work with some great artists um roberta flack uh, was was really a lot of fun um, Isley Jasper Isley, which was uh, essentially the Isley Brothers. Uh -huh. um, uh, TLC was a lot of a lot of fun working on some of their mixes. Mm -hmm. um, Usher worked with Usher, yeah. and um, and then I had a whole career kind of working in the Latin uh, music section, which um, which took me to countries like Argentina and Mexico and Spain, and um, you know got to like meet some really cool people and. Kind of get my Spanish uh, speaking chops together a little bit. Gotcha. So you got the best of both worlds, per se. You got to enjoy the entertainment and music industry, and you get the, the, the front, front row ticket to the first ride of the best view in the house being a first responder. What is it like to actually live and juggle in both worlds? It's a great question, Clea. It's crazy. Um, I'd say that, uh, of course, you know, with – especially with the fire job working 24 hour shifts, we did have enough time off that I could go home. And, and by now, by the time I was heavily into my fire job, I was writing music for network TV sports. So I could write the music on my days off. Um, but I did catch some flack in the beginning, like here, I'm the new guy, right? And everybody kind of knew I was, you know, this music guy. Now in a firehouse, guys are contractors, they do heating, they do fix cars, you know, they might be like, uh, um, the contractors, right? They're blue collar guys. And here I'm like the music guy. And I was like, I didn't really fit in that well. Right. So right out of the gate, I got the nickname of jingles and, um, you know, I'm trying to like flip the script because I don't, I want to be known as a fireman, not like as a, you know, as a musician. So I would say it took me a couple of years for people to, in my mind to take me seriously on that job and, and know that that's, you know, hundred percent of my focus when I was there was on firefighting. Gotcha. And like Shayla says, so many cool experiences. Yes, I would agree. And I like the nickname Jingles. So, I mean, it is very befitting for especially in the, the music industry in that kind of world. <laughs> did, yeah. that, did that nickname stick throughout your whole career? No, it did not. Uh, I think I had about three. By the end of uh, my career, I was on uh, an amazing shift with a bunch of amazing guys. We were like a family. But the guy, uh, you know, he was sort of the... Uh, the comedian of the crowd and uh you know he could des definitely bust some chops he decided to start calling me pappy because i was one of the older guys in the department by that time so again i had to embrace it you know and after a while okay you know it's not so bad so i wound up yeah wound up with pappy at the end <laughs> very befitting i know and <laughs> to the academy we had a pappy too he was the oldest guy in our class and he he didn't like the name at first and then until he started embracing it because the instructors actually cut him a little bit of slack because he he was a hard worker don't get me wrong 
Uh, he did a lot of good things, but he came with a lot of wisdom and experience where a lot of our mo most of my class was probably in our early 20s, early to mid 20s at that point in time. And I think that he may have been in his mid 30s at that time, which mm -hmm. looking back was is relatively young, but it was an <laughs> uh, older guy in a, in a young man's community going through the academy. Yes. I, and you bring up the, the point of bringing that wisdom and experience and, and also like, you know, approaching life a little differently than somebody who's uh, fresh out of, you know, college or fresh out of the military. Like um, sometimes it helps stabilize, you know, a, a shift or a department to have one or two people like that. It does very much so. Well, I want to shift gears and kind of go back. Um, you talked about your, your cancer and stage four, uh, uh, stage four cancer. I'm sorry. Um, did that lead into you and your wife um, co-authoring the book? Let me get this right. Live Calm with Cancer and Beyond. Uh, uh, was was that the premise of you writing that with her? Or how'd that start? Yeah, it also goes back to like finding the gift, right? Um, yeah. Now we've completed the cancer journey. It was six months of, you know, intense treatment and, and coming back from um, surgery and you know, not being able to work out. It was all the yeah. things I was used to doing. Eating food was was incredibly difficult because uh, wow. I had radiation in my my mouth. So, um, wow. so what what that brought us to was like we've been through this. We decided that we wanted to use some of our tools, some of the meditation and mindfulness to pay forward to other cancer patients and caregivers. And and the caregivers are, um, you know, as much at need in need of this as the patients because they're sometimes focusing all of their attention on this, you know, their, their loved one who's dealing with the cancer, but then they themselves don't take care of themselves as a caregiver. And the statistics for caregiver longevity are not good. Like they tend to sometimes die quicker than the, uh, their, their loved one who was ill. So um, we both, that? we both walked in the shoes. We're like, okay, how can we pay this forward? And the book was one of the ways we did that. We decided to write it so that in each chapter, I would tell my, sort of uh, perspective on something and then Tamara would tell her perspective on something and then you have side by side the the two journeys which are not exactly the same hmm. interesting yeah I, the caretaker i never thought about that yeah I, that can and does take a toll on the individual normally when you hear the caretaker and the, the individual who's stricken with uh the ailment you focus on that individual because they're the ones that's in immediate need or so you would think mm -hmm. wow yeah, yeah, it can. I mean, the stress is enormous, and um, as we know, stress is is probably you know the root of a lot of uh, illness. So, um, if you have someone, you know, if a caregiver has a loved one who's extremely ill and needs to be taken to you know to the hospital, to the doctor, appointments, needs a lot of attention, um, mm -hmm. you know, their own self care falls by the wayside, and and that's where um, we we talked a little bit about that in the book, where how you how can you take care of yourself and feed, you know, feed your, um, you know, the, the needs so that you're not, your bucket isn't empty. You need to like also making sure that you've got some, some, you know, reserve in your bucket or, or you're not going to be able to be helpful to your loved ones. So it's, it's all boils down to resilience at the end of the day, right? Resilience as uh, patients, caregivers, first responders. Yeah. So has anyone read your book and got, gotten back to you as in a review or, while you were on someone else's podcast promoting the book and gotten back and said, thank you so much. You, you've broadened my perspective or you helped me through this problem, or I know a family member or a friend, or I'm going through something similar. Have you gotten any good reviews back that way? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. We just got one a uh, couple of days ago, actually. Someone said they read, you know, every word and um, how meaningful it was for them. And we had um, we had some doctors that bought it so they could send it to all their patients. That's and good. that's what we were looking for is like, we really want to, you know, get this out there into the uh, into the, the cancer community and be of service. And we we took it a little another step further. We started doing support groups um, mm -hmm. for people um, that are living with cancer and post cancer. And then Tamara ran support groups for caregivers, which, uh, as we were discussing, they really need that um, that, that place to, to go to, you know, to be able to speak with their peers who are also caregivers. And that's uh, incredibly um, helpful to them in their journey. Yeah, well, see, you guys living in as an example, writing a book and explaining your experiences, uh, I know it can help people and have helped people. And not only that, like I said before, to, to actually bounce back and, to, and to go back and, and be a first responder or get back into the world uh, is a big deal. Uh, I, I, we've all seen someone who's stricken with some sort of uh, sickness or, or, or many different things. And like we said, not being able to bounce back. Uh, you've transformed this experience into a podcast. Uh, is that how you got the name for the podcast? Did you develop the name for it or respond, respond to resilience uh, because of that? Or was it, was that um, from you and your group and your, or staff? Yeah, we, we did a pilot episode with um, one of the people that eventually became a regular co-host. And so uh, during that time, I was playing around with names and, a couple of them just didn't really, you know, they didn't really have have the uh, the impact that I was looking for. And then, uh, you know, boiled it down to the simple the simple uh, terms that we were really looking to speak to, and that's you know, first responders and resilience. Mm -hmm. So it's really worked well for us over uh, over a hundred episodes now. We, um, you know, we've had amazing guests who are, you know, our brothers and sisters out there, and I have to say, amongst whom the law enforcement. People are some of the most willing to go deep and be open about their struggles and their, fortunately, their triumph over their struggles. But I, I literally will start tearing up hearing some of these guests speaking about, you know, what they've been through and, and, and their willingness to share that out. Yeah. And some of this stuff is not pretty, but yeah. they're willing to share it out on a public platform to anybody who might be listening in the hopes that it will help them. To me, that is the, the deepest, most pure form of service and i just get chills thinking about it i agree understanding is the share information to get for one to get it off your chest is a big deal uh do that as a peer support officer just to unload it it, it feels so much better to not have to hold it in to uh share it uh, is not easy to do because we we're, we're all the tough guys uh we we can take it uh we're the helpers we are, we're not the ones that need help uh and we don't want to seem like or feel like we're broken uh, to be vulnerable, to go out and you have no idea who's listening, you have no idea how they're going to react to it, and then to be able to touch them, uh, you don't even know who you touch all the time, to have someone come back and say, you, thank you for sharing that story, thank you for saying that you've made a difference in my life because of what your experience is, uh, how you responded to that experience, and we appreciate you, it means it makes everything worth it. Uh, I, I know you, you've had to experience that yourself. I uh, know that on the, the podcast itself, uh, getting it, it to go deep, like you said, the, those experiences, to share that, and then the, the have the reactions that we do 
uh, that we get back from those who have watched it to make their life for that moment in their life that much more better. Yeah, and I think that gives us hope for, you know, for being able to see a better um, tomorrow for for the first responder professions where, you know, we know that recruiting retention and, you know, yeah. public perception are, are some of the problems we're dealing with. Um, but the fact that we have people that are willing to go out there and share this and that we're having these conversations, maybe it's one conversation at a time, but we're mm -hmm. now, you know, people out there, tough macho guys are talking about how they went, you know, went to therapy and how they, you know, did things that they never thought they would do just mm -hmm. to be able to change their life for the better. And that gives me hope that, you know, yeah. sometime in the near future that our profession is going to turn around so that we won't be, uh, it won't be under the, you know, sort of under the radar that yeah. I, I had to go get help. I had a, a problem with X, Y, or Z, like people are now willing to share that publicly. And, and it's a sign of strength and a sign of, um, you know, yeah. we can, we can, bounce back or bounce forward from from these adversities this is a sign of strength you know not in this this world of uh first responder we where the stigmas are starting to go away uh where you got stigmatized as a crazy guy or unfit for duty or whatever uh, a lot of the terms were if you did go to therapy or if you did need um some sort of wellness check or if you needed time off for mental health evaluations or reviews or whatever may it may be you got stigmatized and a lot of guys said they didn't want to go see talk to anyone or get any kind of treatment because if you got that stigma you were basically you committed career suicide and now that's not the case you're actually praised uh you see those guys that come on the platform and talk about their situation you're praised for it because you actually are uh, bold enough brave enough to actually go through the process work through it and discuss it so yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would, you know, again, to to your point, um, I've had guests on the show talking, they're police officers, like, you know, these are tough guys talking yeah. about something in, in on our public forum that, you know, I'm like, wow, this guy is actually talking about this. He's still on the job. Like he's, you know, but in a way, now I see that he's more highly respected and looked up to as a leader because he's vulnerable enough to discuss these things on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's willing to go out there. He will talk to groups. He'll talk to, um, you know, in, in any support groups, any any scenario where he thinks the story is going to be beneficial. Um, that's that's what gives me hope for, you know, that we're going to we're going to see a better, you know, better first responder community um, down the road. Yes. Yes. Let me ask you this. You're doing you've done a lot of wonderful things and you're continuing to do a lot of wonderful things. What is your end game goal? And I hate to ask that question, but because it, it's a finite question and we're all, you, you, you set a goal to achieve it, to set another goal. And we're always climbing. We're always striving to do better. But if we had to get to the pinnacle of our goals, what would your end game goal be? And what would it look like to you? Yeah, I think I don't have it completely defined in my mind at this point, because I think it's constantly evolving, but one of the things that really gets me excited is being able to pull all these elements together, right? Like, so we've looked at, you know, I have this background in music and video and the podcast and the first responder world. Um, I have an event coming up in October that I'm part of for a group called the Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. And that's a, a group of clinicians that um, work with first responders doing EMDR and therapy, and they will go to critical incidents for debriefings and, um, mm -hmm. and support. Um, so this is a benefit, but what we're doing is creating a live panel of first responders. Um, we're going to be playing some clips from the podcast 
and um, have them interact with the clip. So we may play a clip about, you know, uh, a traumatic incident that uh, somebody went to and, you know, how, how they dealt with it um, and then open it up to the panel. So I guess what I'm saying is right now, what gets me the most excited is a fusion of all these things we've been talking about is to is to kind of do a live panel and podcast hybrid in front of the audience. Now, that is a cool idea. That is a uh, I like that idea. I, I, I'd love to see how that turns out uh, for you guys. That's kind of like a, a, a training session in itself where I read, instead of having a scenario go down in a classroom and you had uh, uh, you do a town hall where you had members there and they get to see interactions, they get to ask their questions. You actually have a, a scenario go down right there virtually and they comment. Uh, understand, ask questions that way. I think that's a great idea. I think you're on the verge of something new. Um, well, I'm excited about it. And, and this is, uh, the audience is mostly going to be like, you know, civilians. So um, again, we're kind of trying to pull the curtain back a little bit on what first responders go through so that they're better understood by the public and that, that we serve. So um, yeah, I think, you know, there's so many different ways we can go, um, but this will be like the first step in that direction. And, you know, if it's successful, then I hope to do more. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be successful. I, I'm nervous thinking about it because I'm nervous for you. I think it's going to be a great idea and a good turnout. I wish it was local. I'd, I'd definitely be going. Yeah, well, you know what? We may record it, and if it um, you know if it comes out well, we'll maybe release it as a episode of the podcast. Absolutely, I'll definitely take a gander. Yes, sir. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. We're going to jump to another Sergeant B Safe commercial, and we're we're going to come right back to the interview. So, we, Sergeant B Safe is coming at five. Four, three, and there he is. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Jump too hard, don't stand too close. Hello, Sergeant B. Safe, Captain Chaos. I'm your new district attorney, Justin Case. Hello, Justin Case. Nice to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're all on the same team. Yes, locking up bad guys. Let's go inside the courthouse and see the judge. We have bad guys to put away. You are absolutely right. Let's go inside and get to work. All rise. I am the Honorable Judge Mint. Good morning, Your Honor. Attorneys, present your closing arguments. I'm a defense attorney, Scott Free, and my guys didn't do it. The proof has been laid out, Judge. Sergeant B. Safe and Captain Chaos caught these guys red-handed. What you mean, red-handed? Order in the court. I find these three guilty on all counts. Ooh. Well, I'm out of here. I'm innocent. I didn't what do sell you mean crap. Guilty? I don't hack. Urgh. Good work. Yes, job well done, team. I just want to say good job to our brand new district attorney, just in case. And from me and Captain Chaos, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way.
And we are back. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. That one was a lot of fun to do with the voiceovers right there. Uh, but we got a comment on the floor from Maurice Hicks, former guest on the show. Uh, there he is. You are a good service to the profession. He's speaking to you there, David. Maurice is giving you a shout out uh, coming from LinkedIn. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And so let me ask you, you know, through the course of conversation, we just, we discussed many topics. Uh, I may have forgot to ask a question, or I may have jogged your memory uh, on some things that you wanted to uh, touch on or discuss. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with us right now? The floor is yours. Um, you know, simply that uh, one of the pieces that we didn't uh, cover was the co-hosts on my show are both um, EMDR trauma therapists who work with first responders. Having them um, as part of the show, and they add their perspective when we're interviewing different people from law enforcement, fire, EMS, dispatch. Um, I think it adds a dimension where their insights are they're powerful, right? They're in there uh, working with first responders on a daily basis, and they see the traumas. They see the, you know, the trouble uh, that they're dealing with uh, in their personal lives. And so they are incredible resources to, uh, to have as co-hosts on the show. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't profess to like know that much about, um, you know, the mental health part of it, but I'm mm -hmm. learning all the time. And I think we, you know, we can, as students, we can continue to learn constantly. Um, and that's one of the blessings of doing the show. We, we offer kind of an educational component to the audience and we ourselves are learning just by speaking with our guests. Uh, I'm sure you, you have that experience too, Clee, when you're, um, interviewing such a wide variety of different guests. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I have different perspectives from uh, co-hosts, like you said, uh, that bring in different experiences is a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it, get a, a 360 view at a situation. Uh, it reminded me of uh, um, something I've seen a picture of where um, you got person A standing on this side, you have person B standing on this side, and then you have the number six right in the middle of them. And the number six, person A or person B is looking at it. Yes, that's number six. Person A is looking at it. No, that's number nine. And they're both looking at the same thing. And both of them are correct, but they're just looking at it from two different perspectives. And discussing that and having two different perspectives on the same topic kind of make it, you can see one argument. You can see another topic or discussion or point of view, but you can see the big picture too, like, yes. I can I can see a full circle, a full 360 on this whole situation, and have two different levels of thinking on the same topic. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Dr. Stacy Raymond, her father is was a police officer and a dispatcher, so she grew up in that environment. Bonnie Rumley is uh, an EMT, and so she knows um, the EMS side of things. And right. um, you know, just a quick story on how this all kind of came about. Uh -huh. When I was at the fire department. Um, we, we didn't know of any mental health resources that were available except EAP. And um, on my shift, we had a, a fatal MVA where a 16-year-old female, uh, high rate of speed, ran right into a, a tree and uh, you know was instantly killed. Uh, a bunch of us guys on the shift had daughters that age. And so, you know, obviously everybody has a different reaction to a particular incident. Um, but the administration wanted to make sure that, you know, we had some, uh, you know, ability to, to get some mental health uh, you know, support if we needed. Mm -hmm. But all they had was EAP and the EAP person came into the kitchen and immediately said, well, what is it you guys do? And if you could, you know, almost like a light switch, just see the buy and go completely out of the room. 
um, it was a, a profound, right? And so yeah. I, I realized there's got to be something better out there. But it wasn't until a couple, a couple of years later when the, uh, the chief brought in a team from this Fairfield County, County Trauma Response Team, two clinicians and a first responder gave their presentation talking about EMDR and um, having a first responder there. I think it's much more relatable for all of us to yeah. hear it from you know one of ours our own um i heard this clinician speaking and i'm like wow you know she knows what she's talking about i could actually relate to her as a as a therapist if i needed one and that wound up opening all the doors that have led us to where we are right now um, hosting this podcast so um again you know you never know sort of what yeah what's presenting in front of you that's going to become your next opportunity to uh you know to go someplace you never uh, anticipated but be open to you know making that choice to go through the door or not Going through the door or not absolutely and it's, it's interesting enough uh having an eap or someone come in to a session after uh some sort of trauma happens whether it's perceived to be big or perceived to be something very small and minuscule and coming in and that for the first question, hey, what do you guys do? I, that it would be a huge turnoff and you'd probably lose, if not all, 90% of the room in there. And you're, everyone's going to be zip lipped and automatically just uh, how long do we have to sit here, listen to this or what are we supposed to do? How are we going to get out of this meeting? And that's normally that's how it would be. And, and like you said, and then you have someone come in that you can relate to and they're a first responder, too. So you understand. You understand the shift work. You understand the jargon. You understand the lingo. You understand uh, how what's perceived inside the job, what's perceived outside. You can relate to that person, and you can when you share a story or situation. Like I get that. That makes perfect sense, and I feel comfortable opening up and 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 putting myself out there. Yeah, I mean we're seeing that uh, with more and more therapists and peer support, but also. Um, inpatient facilities for things like substance abuse that have uh, first responder um, tracks, which, uh, again, I think if some, you know, for someone is in that position to need uh, support and help as a first responder to go in for whether it's alcohol or some other addiction or some other, um, you know, problems that we face like suicide and uh, depression, that yeah. be able to go into a facility that is, um, you know, that speaks your language and understands the culture of first responders. That's a huge game changer. Yes. Big time. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. 100%. Hey, Dave, I had a, a, a great time interviewing you. Is there anything else that you would like to put out there and share with the world? No, I think we've covered a lot. Uh, I just want to salute you for what you do and you do it, um, you know, you're doing on a, you're putting out those podcast episodes on a very regular basis. Um, you are, you know, facilitating conversations, which we, we need very much. Um, you're mm -hmm. an advocate, you're an educator and, uh, and you're still working, you know, you're still on the job. So, um, no, I just have utmost respect for all you're doing and I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I don't take compliments. Well, I don't know how to absorb them, but I appreciate that very much. Uh, and we're throwing it right back at you. Uh, I know being a podcast host isn't uh, easy. It's a lot of fun, but it's very difficult as well. There's a lot of behind the scenes. But as you know, um, you've got your own show going. You've got your own experiences. I thank you for taking the time out and come sharing your world uh, here on this platform. As you said, it, uh, it's very much needed. Uh, we touch a lot of people. Uh, getting those stories out there, getting those experiences out there is very big. Uh, and 
being actually uh, again, we talked about the the cancer and and getting through that and being an advocate for mental health and well being for those who have gone through it or anything else. That that I I give you one hundred percent kudos. That's not easy to do. That's not you know, when you get to a place where it, it becomes normal, normalized, perceived to be that way, uh, that you're able to share your stories and experiences. That's not something that people easy, easily do, especially on a, a podcast platform that can that's digital that you have no idea who's seeing it. Uh, yep, there we go. Share, yep, great live. Uh, thanks for sharing your experiences. So many amazing angles you touched on. Absolutely. Yes, very much so. Uh, looking forward to your event. I want to see. I hope it goes well. Uh, I love. Hope it gets posted and um, on your link, and I'm definitely going to take a look at it. So I, I wish you and and your your staff many blessings, and I hope to see you guys flourish. And looking forward to continuing on and having you on the show again, possibly in the future, to see how things are still going. Well, absolutely, I had a great time speaking with you tonight, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you guys for tuning in. This is another episode of Black and Blue, where we go live weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And when we go live, we interview someone who's a first responder or in the law enforcement profession, and we talk about their trainings, their experiences, and their publications. Not only that, we we interview their either rookie season or retirees, and we have a lot of fun doing it. And doing that, we we help get the, that information out there. It's not very easy to do. It's very in-house. It's a lot of fun doing that. So if you're in law enforcement or if you're a first responder and you're looking just to have those stories, this is your platform. If you're thinking about get, becoming a first responder and you kind of got your toe a little wet, but you haven't jumped all the way in the deep end of that pool, this is your platform to make that decision. And if you're a retiree and you love hearing the stories, you love hearing the experiences, you've de dealt with something similar, you dealt with something different, this is still your platform. I'm your host, Coach Clee. I'm your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, your favorite baker, favorite favorite baker, favorite baker, saying thank you guys for tuning in. 10-4, over and out. This is a good drink. I like this place. I like it too. Mario, let me get another one. Well, jeez Louise, you guys each had enough. Hey guys, don't you guys look nice? Now your fools wanna show off. She's talking to me. No, dummy, she's talking to me. You wanna see me outside? I'll see you now. They're fighting over me. Hey, you guys need to break it up. You're wrecking my place. Hey, Sergeant Better Safer, I need your head now. Welp, I got a few pics of them. I'm out. Ugh. Your foes knocked each other out. A Megan, don't you live? Looks like we're right on time again. I don't understand why you guys are fighting. I just saw Megan leaving. Was it for that? It's because she liked my profile picture. We're connected. Insta-talk. Sounds like she played both of you. Isn't that right, Kraken? Sergeant to be safe. Captain Chaos, you guys saved the day again. You guys are the true heroes. Thank you, Mario. We appreciate it. Once again, these two are going back to jail. 
part of their punishment is they're going to have to pay for all of these damages. Uh. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Thank you.